Radio. Hi, I'm Paul Ellard. Welcome to Our Queen, Our Mother, the Graces of the Blessed Virgin Mary. In our sessions, we will be exploring the topic of the Blessed Virgin Mary and why she is important to the Christian faith. With each talk, we will try and open up and explain in simple terms the Catholic Church's teaching on the Blessed Virgin Mary. So welcome to the program and let us begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O loving God, we give you thanks and praise for all your graces and blessings. We thank you especially this day, Lord, for the gift of our guardian angels. Thank you, Lord, that you send your angels to protect us and defend us and to guide us into eternal life. We praise you and we bless you. All glory be to the Father and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. And dear Mother, as Queen of the Angels, we ask you to pray with us as well. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Mary, Queen of the Angels, pray for us. Saint Michael, Gabriel and Raphael, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, today we want to look at the topic of Mary as Queen of the Angels. And of course, this is one of Mary's titles, Queen of All the Angels. It's a magnificent title that the Lord has bestowed upon Mary. But sometimes we can easily fail to recognize the significance of this title. And the reason for that is, quite simply, we fail to appreciate the importance of the angels. I hope for this talk to build a better understanding of the angels and their importance. So then, when we look back and we see that Mary has been appointed Queen of the Angels, then hopefully the true significance of that title helps us to appreciate and love Mary all the more. So in other words, the more we understand the angels, the more we'll appreciate Mary, and of course in turn, the more we'll be able to love her son Jesus and the Blessed Trinity. Today the angels are more popular than ever, and we see them in everything, from advertising, greeting cards, ornaments, in movies, names like Narnia and Middle-earth conjure up all sorts of concepts of angels, but unfortunately there's a lot of misinformation about angels, and so today we want to try and correct the way angels are presented, and certainly we want to be very careful of the way they're presented in things like New Age movements. So it's good to look at the history of the Church and examine the doctrine about angels that has developed over the centuries. Now some people may well be hesitant to have any kind of serious discussion about the theology of angels. However, it's, it's worth noting 
that the doctrine of the angels begins in Scripture, both the Old and the New Testaments. And in researching to do this little presentation today, I found a great little book by Dr. Mark Maravalli, who's the Professor of Theology at the Franciscan University of Steubenville. And Dr. Maravalli gathers together the teaching of the angels from Scripture, ecumenical councils of the Church, the Catholic Catechism, plus three of history's greatest commentators on angels, if you want to put it that way. And those three persons are Pseudo-Dionysus, who was the author of a very early Christian work called Celestial Hierarchy, the great St. Thomas Aquinas, who was also known as the Angelic Doctor, not because of um, perhaps the smile on his face, but because of his masterful treatment on the angels that are found in his famous work, the Summa Theologia. And thirdly, St. Bonaventure, he was a 13th century Franciscan doctor of the church and he was simply referred to as the seraphic doctor because once again of his theology of angels and that spirituality which pervaded so much of his preaching and writing. Now while not all of the theories of these great commentators are considered official Catholic teaching, nevertheless they do represent the most respected theological and philosophical reflections concerning the nature, the mission, and the purpose of the angels. If anyone wants to read up more on the sources of the material that we're going to present in this presentation, I recommend that you go through the end notes and references of Dr. Mark Maravalli's book, Time to Meet the Angels. You can check out that book through Queenship Publishing, their website. They'll have more information there on how you can purchase that book. But before we proceed, perhaps we should first say something about what angels are not. Angels do not start as humans and then become transformed into angels after death based on their good deeds. They do not have physical bodies at all. Angels do not reproduce. They do not reincarnate, nor are angels a part of God, nor are they a part of us. Okay, well, what can we say about angels that are true? Well, firstly, they are real. They were created by God. Therefore, he is the only true revealer about the angels. We could say that angels are secondary spiritual lights who receive brightness from the first uncreated light, God himself. They have no need of tongue or hearing because they communicate individual thoughts and designs to one another without having to use the spoken word. All angels were created by the word and perfected by the sanctification of the Holy Spirit. In accordance with their dignity and rank, they enjoy a brightness and grace. So we said that angels do not have bodies. They are spiritual persons. They are persons. We talk about man being made in God's image and God being three persons in one God. Well, angels are also persons. Created by God out of nothing as a part of the wonder of divine creation. And they exist to glorify God and to act as messengers of God to us. 
Technically speaking, angel is the name of their office, not of their name. They're actually a spirit, and what they do is that they are, are an angel, they are a messenger. Angels being persons have a thinking ability, an intellect, and are able to choose through the ability of the will. They are personal and immortal creatures. So because angels don't have bodies, they don't have any external senses. So how do they take in knowledge? Well, they have a God-given infused knowledge of natural things. They have no need to get knowledge through any process. Nor do they need to ponder over things like we might. Their perfect intellect knows an object from the first moment it is presented to their intellects. So it begs the question, if angels have a God-given infused knowledge of natural things, how was it that some angels fell away from God to become fallen angels? Well, it's the common consensus of the great Christian angelic commentators that before angels were given the glory of their beatific vision, by the beatific vision we mean seeing God face to face, they underwent a testing of the will. So just like us, before we can get to heaven, we are tested, so too did the angels go through a testing. The nature of this was a moral test, and it was the revelation by God the Father of the future incarnation, that at some time later in history, God the Son would take on human nature and become man. When this would take place, the angels would then be called upon to worship the Word made flesh, this God-man as their God and the King of the universe. Now the majority of the angels immediately accepted this in obedience of mind and will as the manifest mind of God the Father. And thereby they received the beatific vision and the eternal life of joy and peace in heaven. But one high angel, known as Lucifer, Lucifer means light-bearing, rebelled in disobedience at hearing this divine plan. He balked in pride at the idea because as an angel who was created on a higher level of perfection than man would be, he would in turn have to offer worship to a God-man who would have an inferior human nature. And also, some commentators who come from the Franciscan tradition maintain that when it was further revealed that the Word would receive his flesh through a woman, and that woman would, from that time onwards, be venerated by all the angels as Queen of the Angels. Franciscan tradition has it that Lucifer cursed and uttered those rebellious words that would soon become his fatal motto, Non servum, I will not serve. Now in contrast to Lucifer's rebellion, an angel from a much lower choir of archangels responded to Lucifer's pride and disobedience with the exclamation, Who is like God? In other words, who would dare put their personal opinion on the equal plane with the divine mind and plan of the Creator? And of course this lower archangel was Michael, whose name precisely means who is like God. In reward for his faith and fidelity, 
God raised Michael from a lowly eighth choir of archangels to the highest level of angelic dignity and power. And then what he lacked in his created excellence as an angel, God provided in the order of grace. Michael then became the prince and leader of the heavenly army of the host of angels. St. Michael and his host of warrior angels then proceeded to cast out Lucifer, the ancient dragon. And scripture says, a third of the stars, or likewise disobedient angels, were cast out of heaven into what we call hell, which is the place of separation from God. Lucifer was then named Satan. His pride and his rebelliousness were his downfall. So you can see from that story how Mary was presented, which triggered Satan's rebellion. You can see why Satan hates Mary so much. Now some people think hell doesn't exist. But remember, almost everything we know about hell comes directly from the words of Jesus of sacred scripture. So only the foolishness of Lucifer flies in the face of the word of God. I remember once a saintly person was asked, some people say they do not believe in the existence of hell. And they asked him to comment. And his comment was very short and to the point. He simply said, they will when they get there. <laughs> very sobering indeed. But we have nothing to fear because we are on the winning team. We've got to remember there's no doubt about who the winning team will be. It's not a question of will God win or Satan win. We know who's going to win. The question is, will you choose to be on the winning team or the losing team? The choice is ours. And of course, it has eternal consequences. So you can see that understanding angels has a lot to do with our salvation. In fact, angels are directly involved with helping us with our salvation. So on that basis alone, any discussion about angels surely has great value. I once heard a joke in the form of a question, how many angels can you fit onto a pinhead? The joke was meant to be a sarcastic reference to the study of angels, implying that the study of angels had no relevance to the everyday life of the Christian. But really, what could be more relevant to everyday life than our salvation? A lot is at stake here. We speak about eternal life or eternal separation from God. It doesn't get any bigger than that. And the holy angels and the fallen angels are directly in the middle of this battle for our souls. So I think it's fair to say that an understanding of the angels is certainly worth having. Pope John Paul II presented six audiences on the topic of angels. So he took them quite seriously. And of course, when we look in scripture, angels are involved in every decisive moment of scripture. Angels lift us out of ourselves. They lift our focus heavenwards. And that's why their importance in the liturgy. They're often mentioned in the liturgy. I once was taught by a priest who was teaching me theology who openly admitted he struggled in believing of the reality of angels. But the thing that kept bringing him back to believe was the fact that it was mentioned so powerfully and so consistently within the liturgy. 
Now we talk about the nine choirs of angels and we source our information on this from biblical revelation, from Dionysus, from Pope St. Gregory the Great, St. Thomas Aquinas, St. Bernard of Clairvaux and St. Bonaventure. And so we're presented then with basically three hierarchies of angels and three choirs within each hierarchy. So we have nine. Each sacred order of angels share in the divine knowledge and activity and who in turn guide and convey this knowledge to those angels lower in their own sacred order. So it's interesting to note that it's really quite appropriate that the Pope and the bishops in union with the Pope are referred to as the Church's hierarchy as is to a sacred order established by Jesus to convey truths to its members and through them to the entire people of God. The hierarchy is a sacred order, but it's a hierarchy of service. It's not meant to lord it over others. The angelic choir is a vast number of angels that share some common aspect of nature and function with other angels of the same choir. Now many of you may be familiar with a number of the popular prayers that we have in our church tradition that's directed to angels. The first and most popular is probably the guardian angel prayer, which many of us would have said when we were a, a youngster at school. It goes like this, Angel of God, my guardian dear, to whom God's love commits me here, ever this day be at my side, to light and guard to rule and guide. Amen. Now, Dr. Mark Maravalli, in his book, he kind of challenges those who think this prayer is a little too childlike. He says, if you feel that it is too childlike for you, okay, well, write your own. But he said, it's important to realize that this simple childlike prayer encapsulates some very key concepts of our relationship to angels and is really a very good prayer to say each day to your guardian angel. The other popular prayer is the one to St. Michael the Archangel. And this prayer was composed by Pope Leo XIII back in 1884, when at the end of Mass one day, he went into a trance-like state and heard a conversation between God and Satan. So he composed this prayer and it was used from that time on, from 1884, at the end of Mass, right up until about 1970. In 1994, Pope John Paul II urged Catholics to recite this prayer once again, and to quote his words, in order to obtain help in the battle against the forces of darkness and the spirit of this world. And it's a beautiful prayer, and it's one I personally say every day, it goes like this, St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in this day of battle. Be our safeguard against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the other evil spirits who prowl through the world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Ask anyone who prays this prayer regularly in their prayer life, they'll tell you it's extremely powerful. Extremely powerful in times of temptation or difficulties. It can really just take a, 
a load off your shoulders quite quickly. There's a lot of power in that prayer. Now the third popular prayer is what's called the Chaplet of St. Michael. And this prayer was approved by Pope Pius IX back in 1851. The history of this chaplet goes back to a devout Portuguese Carmelite nun named Antonia de Astonac, who had a vision of St. Michael. He told Antonia to honour him by nine salutations to the nine choirs of angels. St. Michael promised that whoever would practice this devotion in his honour would have, when approaching Holy Communion, an escort of nine angels chosen from each of the nine choirs. And in addition, for those who will recite the chaplet daily, he promised his continual assistance and that of all the holy angels during life. And again, I know from personal experience with this prayer that it is very powerful. And if you're really struggling with a temptation, this prayer can be very, very powerful indeed. So as we said, the Chaplet of St. Michael consists of honouring each of the nine choirs of angels with a salutation. A salutation is made up of one Our Father and three Hail Marys. And then each salutation also includes a prayer for a particular virtue, which gives us some insight into the role of each of these nine choirs of angels. You know, I find it interesting that the heart of the chaplet of St. Michael is the Hail Mary. So again, we see Mary right there. She's Queen of Heaven, Queen of Earth, and Queen of the Angels. So we don't have time to go into all the nine choirs of angels, but very briefly, in the highest category, we have the Seraphim, Cherubim, and Thrones. They are the ones who are closest to God. The seraphim in particular are the ones, the name seraph means burning. So they are the ones that are burning with love for God. They offer endless adoration and hymns of praise and contemplation. They're mentioned twice in the Bible in Isaiah chapter 6. The cherubim, we find them mentioned in Exodus 25:18 to 22 and the thrones we find mentioned in the letter of St. Paul to the Colossians, 1 verse 16. The second hierarchy of angels has the God-given task to receive illumination, that is, divine truth, knowledge and wisdom from the first hierarchy, and to govern the material world based on that knowledge. So these three choirs are called dominions, virtues and powers. The third hierarchy of angels has the function of receiving illumination from the second hierarchy on what is to be done and to carry it out, particularly as it affects us, the realm of humans. So this third hierarchy then have the most to do with the affairs of humanity. And the three choirs of angels within that hierarchy are called principalities, archangels, and angels. Now the church has recognized three angels with proper names and bearing the title Archangel. So we have Archangel Saint Michael, Archangel Saint Gabriel, and Archangel Saint Raphael. And as we said, Saint Michael is the warrior angel. 
the Prince of the Heavenly Host, and the one who battles the forces of hell. Saint Gabriel, the name means strength of God. And Saint Gabriel is the one that we often ask for the intercession for anything that we need in terms of communication. Because the Archangel Gabriel came to Mary and came to Zechariah with messages from God. It's interesting that when we see the angel Gabriel coming to Mary, most places in scripture when angels appear, the person who is receiving this visitation falls down in reverence. But when the angel comes to Mary, it's the other way around. The third archangel is Saint Raphael, and the name means God heals. So Archangel Raphael is the angel of healing. And we see this in the book of Tobit, where he heals Tobias and Sarah and Tobit. Now the third and final hierarchy are the angels. They have the needs of humanity as their direct task and focus. And according to St. Thomas Aquinas, they put into action the specific commands of the principalities and archangels. They are the ones closest to our human world and our human needs. And in Psalm 92, we read of the direct angelic protection that God provides for us through his angels. So before we end, we want to just say something about the importance of our guardian angel. Every person has a specific guardian angel that has been assigned to them by God. And it has been assigned to them and no one else. Every guardian angel wants to spend eternity with that human person that God has assigned to them. And sadly, not all the angels will be able to do this. You know, when you even think about that word, guardian angel, it implies that there is something that we needed to be guarded from. Again, it stresses the importance of our guardian angel and the need to bring into our daily spiritual life the reality of our guardian angel. And of course, we do this through prayer. And we can invoke our guardian angel in many small ways throughout the day, especially to give thanks to God for this gift of our guardian angel, who loves us dearly and whose whole focus is to get us to heaven. Now, the angels are experts at adoration. One way to get close to our guardian angel is to invite him to come with you in times of adoration in front of the Blessed Eucharist. It's been said that Eucharistic adoration is the closest we get to heaven on earth. Why? Because adoration of the Lamb of God. And that's in some ways even closer than the Mass. Because remember in heaven we'll no longer have the sacrifice of the Lamb, just the adoration of the Lamb. So in that sense, adoration is the purest and closest experience we have to the experience of heaven. So we can ask our guardian angel to lead us into the supernatural life. And we can do this by praying those simple prayers that we mentioned, the guardian angel prayer, the prayer to St. Michael, and the chaplet of St. Michael. You can get all of these off the web. They're easily available. Finally, we want to say something about Mary as Queen of Angels. When we look at the holiness of the angels and then realize 
that Mary is queen of all the angels, we come to realize just how holy Mary is. The mother of God is incredibly holy. And why is she holy? Because God made her that way. To think that God gave Mary every power that he has and every gift he's given to the mother of Jesus. All the gifts which he has by nature, he has given to his mother as gift. So that she can have every grace at her disposal to give to her children so that we can come to heaven to be in eternity with her son Jesus and our Lord and Saviour. The holiness of Mary will never truly comprehend this side of heaven. The angels are in awe of Mary's holiness. Yet the amazing thing is that this holiness does not put up a barrier between us and our heavenly mother. She loves us as her children, and because of this she will not rest until all her children are safely home in heaven for eternity. She sends her angels to administer to us all our needs. Why? Simply because she loves us. She loves us. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the gift of the angels. We thank you for the gift of your Holy Mother, that you have made her so holy and that she has cooperated fully with this grace, that you are able to give her that beautiful title of Queen of Angels, Queen of Heaven, and our Queen and our Mother. We thank you, Lord, for this wonderful gift. Help us to appreciate the gifts that you give us not to dismiss them, not to let our intellect override your love for us. We praise you and we thank you. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Mary, Queen of Angels, pray for us. St. Michael, St. Raphael and St. Gabriel, pray for us. Our guardian angel, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Radio.org.au